Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Uh, Thanks, Tash. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all here this morning. If you haven't met me before, my name is Dal. I'm one of the pastors here. A special welcome if you're visiting us this morning. Uh, Please keep your Bibles open to page 841 and have Psalm 2 in front of you. And please remember, uh, there'll be a time for questions after the talk. Uh, Now, Psalm 2 is one of the most quoted Psalms in the New Testament. And as we look at it this morning, we're going to see why it's one of the most important Psalms in the whole collection. Well, before we get stuck into God's Word, um, as always, it will be good for us to pray as I ask for God's help. Will you please join me as I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your Word so that we can learn more about you and your Son, Jesus. Help me now to speak your Word clearly this morning. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will grow us in our view of who Jesus is and how that affects our lives. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There's a story of three young men who hopped onto a bus in Detroit in the 1930s. And they tried to pick a fight with an older man who was sitting at the back of the bus. Uh, The young men, they insulted the guy at the back, but that guy didn't respond. So the young men, they they turned up the heat in their insults, but this guy doesn't respond. Finally, that man stands up uh, and steps off the bus. And firstly, the young men realize, oh, he's much bigger than what they previously thought. Uh, The man reached into his pocket, gave gave them his business card, and then got off uh, the bus. Uh, the young men gathered around the card uh, to, to read the words, Joe Lewis, professional boxer. <laughs> you see, the young men who had just tried to pick a fight with the man who would be the heavyweight boxing champion of the world for 12 years straight. And he's considered one of the greatest boxers of all time. Uh, They say that Joe Lewis could knock out a horse with one punch. That's how good he was. You know, when it comes to Jesus, uh, we can be like those young men. Where it can be so easy for us, 
if we're Christian, even if we're not a Christian, to not actually get who Jesus really is. To be like those young men, to actually have a, a too small a view, in this case, of who Jesus is in our lives. And especially, we just, uh, we've only had Christmas just a few weeks ago. It's easy for us to just think Jesus as a baby, meek and mild, and the baby that doesn't cry when the cattle are lowing. It can be so easy for us to think of Jesus as someone who doesn't seem so powerful, who may seem distant, who may not have that much bearing in our lives. As we look at Psalm 2 this morning, we're going to get our view of Jesus enlarged significantly as we see Jesus for who he really is. Uh, Psalm 2 is divided into four scenes. Uh, Firstly, uh, the scene 1, life from above. Uh, Scene 2, what's... uh, Scene 1, life from below. Scene 2, what's happening above. Scene 3, the declaration from God. And in scene 4, the response. Uh, Let's look at each uh, scene in detail. So firstly, the first scene is about what's happening here on earth. And what we see are the kings of the nations, they're gathered together to go against God. And notice what they say to God in verse 3. Please have a look at verse 3 with me. It says this. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. You see, the nations, they see God's benevolent rule as bondage, as a restriction on their freedom. And they don't want anything to do with God. Rather, they want to wage war against Him. And notice, uh, if, if, if you've read this, Tash read, uh, this attack isn't just against God. It's against his anointed one. And now the word anointed actually is the word Messiah or Christ. Uh, it's the term for God's special chosen king. And back when this psalm was written, the anointed one, the, the Christ, was King David or one of the, his descendants in the lineage. So that's the scene below. Uh, The camera of Psalm 2 now sweeps up to the scene above in heaven. And in verse 4, what we see, we'll see God's response to these kings. Uh, Please read verse 4 with me. It says this. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Now first it seems like God is cruel. As he laughs at them. But we're not meant to picture God you know, laughing a, a maniacal laugh like the villain does in the movies. No, it's actually more of a chuckle. As the whole idea that these kings want to take on God is so ridiculous. It's so foolish. You see, God's the one who's described in verse 4 as enthroned in heaven. And that's in stark contrast to these kings on the earth. Uh, These kings whose realm is so limited. Their power is so limited. 
compared to God's. So this whole thing is laughable. Because these kings, they're making a tragic mistake. They're taking on the wrong guy. They're like the young men on the bus trying to take on Joe Lewis. These kings, they think their tiny arms are long enough to box against God. It's like kids trying to knock out the moon out of the sky by chucking stones at it. That's how ridiculous this situation is. Well, in verse 5, uh, God responds in anger to these kings. But interestingly, his rebuke, well, it takes in the form of announcing the installation of his king on Zion, which is Jerusalem. And which brings us to the third scene where God makes a declaration about his king. Uh, Please read verse 7 with me. God says this. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. We see firstly in this declaration that the relationship that this special king would have with God It's a very special one, where this anointed king will be treated as God's son, as God's heir. And in the context of this father-son relationship, God will promise to give this king all the nations of the world into his hand. Now that's a really big present. And what would this king do with all those nations? please have a look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9 says this. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Now at first, it seems like this king is going to be a harsh king against these nations. But what we're meant to see here is that this king would be the judge of the nations, where he will have sovereign authority over them. And the fact that he can dash the nations like pieces of pottery, it it just shows how powerful this king really is. As it's so easy for this king to crush all those who are against him. So it's with this powerful image of God's king in our minds, we now come to the final scene of the psalm, which is the response of these human kings and the response they can have. And the writer warns these kings that at the end of the day, there's only two responses that you can respond to God's anointed king. Now please read verses 10 to 12 with me. It says this, verse 10, Therefore you kings... Be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he'll be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So these kings, they can either 
continue with an attack and it's all over or kiss and make up. Now the idea of kissing the sun (coughs) is to pay homage to God's king. It's to bow down. It's to respond in submission to him. And part of that submission is to serve him and to fear him. To serve him, to serve God and to serve him with awe and reverence. And part of that serving actually involves changing allegiances. To recognize that God is the one true God. And accepting his king. So it's pretty clear that this psalm too... Well, he actually introduces the theme of God's king rules all things. And that theme of kingship is carried straight through all the rest of the Psalms. But here's the thing about Israel. Israel is a tiny nation. Uh, Compared to everyone else, they're the nation that gets constantly battled around by empires bigger than themselves. Israel was never a great nation. And it would never be able to do the things that this psalm says, where its king could smash the other nations like pieces of pottery. So if you were an Egyptian or a Persian or Babylonian, and you had just conquered Israel, and you found this psalm, and you read it, you would kill yourself laughing. He would say, hey, hey, come over here. Hey, look how these Israelites think of themselves. You see, it never happened. Or did it? You see, at the heart of the Christian faith is that Psalm 2 did happen and is happening. And the New Testament authors recognize that this psalm finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus, David's greatest son. And they quote this psalm to confirm who Jesus is. Uh, So we see it in the Gospels, where the words of this psalm is quoted at Jesus' baptism, where God's heavenly voice announced to Jesus says the words of Psalm 2, You are my son. With you I am well pleased. Uh, In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John quotes Psalm 2 again in reference to Jesus' second coming. And in Revelation, we see when Jesus comes back again, he brings his final victory over the forces of evil. And it's then, the words of Psalm 2, his rule over all the nations will finally be realized. So it's with Psalm 2, we actually get a really big view of who Jesus is. Jesus is God's anointed. The one who has God's sovereign authority. The one who's all-powerful. You know, it's striking. That even though this picture of Jesus that we see here in Psalm 2, he's a no-nonsense king. But when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see a very different side of him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was betrayed by a kiss. And he was arrested by the Roman soldiers. We need to remember that Jesus, 
he could have smashed his way through uh, those soldiers in a Psalm 2 type of way. When they arrested him, when they were beating him, when they were nailing him to the cross. But like what Joe Lewis did with those young men on the bus, Jesus withheld his power. And the reason he withheld what he could have done to them was so that his father's plan of salvation could be achieved. Where Jesus, God's ultimate king, pays the punishment for our sins by dying on the cross. And that includes all those people who plotted against him, includes all those people who wanted nothing to do with him. But that's not all. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he is now in his rightful place, enthroned in heaven. So it's because of who Jesus is, well, it's the same two responses. And God's word is telling us this morning is to make the wise choice about Jesus. To consider kissing the son and pledging our allegiance to him. So if you're here and you you haven't kissed the son yet, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your king yet, well, the Bible says here that the consequences of that is very dangerous. But the alternative is the complete opposite. To submit to Jesus is one of blessing, is one of refuge, not just for this life, but for the life to come. So if you haven't done so yet, well, please consider switching allegiances, making the decision to own Jesus as your king. If you want to find out more, please chat to me or Peter M or Carmen later on this morning. But if you're here and Jesus is your king, then let me encourage you to keep trusting in Jesus, to keep serving him in fear, recognizing that he's the almighty king to follow. And notice in the psalm, in the second half of verse 11, it says we're to also, not only just serve him with fear, but we're to celebrate with trembling. Now, celebrate in trembling, it just means celebrating in a way that's not flippant, Celebrating in a way that honors God properly. So because Jesus has won for us the victory over sin and death, because Jesus guarantees our future, we've got reasons, great reasons to celebrate. We've got great reasons to be joyful. Because we know we're on the winning side. Let me ask you. Are you feeling like that at the moment, this morning? Now I know sometimes we don't feel like celebrating for one reason or another. I know I have those moments from time to time. And there can be so many reasons for that, but I reckon one reason that we sometimes don't feel like celebrating when we should is because in our hearts we're actually thinking like those kings back in Psalm 2, where we feel that God has put chains or shackles on us that limit our freedom. 
And like those human kings, we want to break free. But you know, it's actually in those times we're actually buying into the world's lie of placing self and satisfaction above everything else. And we think that's the key to our freedom. The thing is, when we think like that, we've actually got the whole view of God totally wrong. We've got our view of the situation totally wrong. We've mistaken our relationship with God as heavy chains that weigh us down. But in actual fact, our relationship with God is the means in which we can live life here in the world His way, which is the best way. Where we can live life to the fullest. Where we can actually enjoy true freedom. Freedom from our real chains. Chains of our fears. Chains of our insecurities. Chains of our own sinfulness. You know, Psalm 2 gets fulfilled in another profound way. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are just arrested for preaching about Jesus. And when he's confronted before the Sanhedrin, Peter makes the link that Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the Israelite leaders who executed Jesus, they're like the earthly rulers back in Psalm 2. Let me show you Acts chapter 4, verses 25 to 29. And notice what Peter says about Psalm 2, how he speaks to their situation. Peter says, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. That's Psalm 2. Then he says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your Holy Spirit, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided before should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You see, the apostles, they drew great comfort from Psalm 2 because they knew that God has got their situation in hand. That God's the one who empowered them to preach the gospel. And just like they got comfort from Psalm 2, so can we. Because for us, God still has a situation in hand. And he has given us that same Holy Spirit to empower us to speak the gospel with boldness. So during those times when you may be confronted with a Sanhedrin type person, when you have an opportunity to speak the gospel, whether it's to stand up for what you believe in, or to just lovingly, gently speak the gospel into a situation. And in those times when the cat has got your tongue, or where you've been too scared or too shy to say anything, we need to remember what Psalm 2 tells us about Jesus. That he's the sovereign king who's got everything in control. And it's because of that we can be confident. We can be bold. You know those, king, uh, those kids who are chucking rocks at the moon? They have a better chance of knocking the moon out of its orbit 
than Jesus being dethroned. That's how sure we can be of who Jesus is. And given the somber reality that Psalm 2 reminds us of at the end, of the consequences of what happens to someone who doesn't trust in Jesus, well, we've got all the reason to be bold in sharing the gospel with others. So let me ask you this morning, how do you see Jesus at the moment? Do you see Jesus in the way that Psalm 2 describes him as? And if you do, well, how is your view of Jesus changing how you live now? Will you please pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who is your anointed king, who rules over the whole universe and has all the authority and power. We thank you most of all of how you have used your power to save us by dying on the cross. And we confess there are times when we're like the kings of the nations, at times when we don't have the right view of you. So Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll keep changing us. Help us to see you rightly. Help us to live in light of who you are, that we may be bold in living lives for you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.